It's a monster manual mash. It's another episode after a short break, and we are recording in the hottest weather yet. Yeah, this is the hottest day of 2018 so far. So all the us. windows are open, all the fans are on. If you hear something, uh, deal with it. This is what it takes to make the magic happen. Yeah. Uh, I'm Wes Grist. I am Chris Lawson. And today we're talking about blights. We're talking about blights, as yeah. promised long ago in the Beholder episode. Um, they look like plant people. Yeah. They, yeah, that's, they're, they're really, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. Like imagine a plant person. Um, and it's not, but they come in three flavors according to the book, right? Yeah. They're, they're needle blights and twig blights and vine blights. And they all, they all kind of look the same. They have like a sinewy, muscly, uh, ropey thing going on for all three, which makes it hard in my mind to kind of think about them differently. You can find some really great artwork, uh, online of the, the different kinds, but the official fifth edition, they look kind of blobby and similar, and I'm not a big fan. Yeah. Of the look. Yeah, they sort of they 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 look more like plant based super villain henchmen or superheroes. You know? Yeah, exactly. They yeah, look, they're yeah. they're a little too. Uh, they're playing it pretty straight. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, typical anatomy anatomy from a book on anatomy, and just throw some like blobby green ropes over top of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're they're plant people, but what they're they're kind of. Should we go by like what what it says in the book? Like go through all the stuff. Yeah, that's kind yeah, of been our yeah, shtick. Yeah, lately. <laughs> so as much as I don't like their appearance, I actually kind of like the stuff that is given to us officially in the book. Yeah. So what we have here are awakened plants with powers of intelligence and mobility. So right away, it's kind of neat because they are different from things that have evolved to be this way. Yeah. They are just plants hanging out doing their thing. And then they are changed. They are awakened. And they are awakened because they drink darkness, which is uh, can be a lot of things. Yeah. General bad, evil corruption. Mm-hmm. If it happens somewhere that there are plants, the plants uh, kind of absorb it and take it into themselves. Yeah. So they kind of like, it's sort of like bits of the forest wake up shaped like humans and start running around being being monsters right like it's like it's the forest itself is kind of like this thing that spread the evil the evil soil the darkness in the soil that the plants so it's, it's like the term blight it's it's kind of it's because these say they're not just like they're they're the creatures are called blights but it's also like a, a plague of like pl- evil plants waking up yeah like it's a them, right? it's a good use of the term yeah because it also means the individual blight is indicative of an overall general blight affecting yeah. an area and the originator, the core, the the font of this corruption and blight is recommended to be a Gulthius tree. The Gulthius tree is the stake that was used to kill a sweet-ass vampire named yeah. Gulthius who had a place called the Nightfang Spire. And when he died, the stake uh, was, what is it, infused with dreadful power. And the tendrils of new growth sprouted from the wood and became an evil sapling that a mad druid discovered and transplanted somewhere else. <laughs> it is ridiculous and amazing. Uh, Night Fang Spire, good stuff. Yeah, that's great. I like the twist of like um, that these are vampire plants, or that 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 like that's that's with with this kind of telling of their 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 origin. Because it's like, oh yeah, no, it's just ancient evil plants, whatever. Just some like evil book buried in the tomb beneath the forest is like emanating. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, it's like vampirism has spread through like into the plant world now, and like it's 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 kind of like growing like this weird sort yeah. of mold out of it. I like how yeah, you're right. I like how uh, specific that is, yeah. and the that angle is pretty good. You can do a lot with that, and it's evocative right away. We yeah. all know we all have we all know what vampires are, or at least have. Um, we all share a similar idea of what it is, so it's easy to to get right away. Yeah, and isn't something you have seen a lot, or at least I've seen or read about. Um, so it is pretty original as far as uh, mashups go. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. Um, it's also a new thing. I think Blades kind of came into the game 
in fourth edition. Right. Okay. Uh, they don't really show up earlier than that. There are lots of plant monsters, and it's kind of difficult to talk about an individual plant monster without treading on the territory of others. But I think we're going to be able to do it because every monster that I thought we were going to have trouble with, we've managed to make a show yeah, out of. So we can do it. We can do we it. We can do it, and we're going to do it now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what's the next thing it says? Dark Conquest. Uh, Dark. So whenever a tree or plant is contaminated by a fragment of an evil mind uh, uh, or power, a Galthius tree can rise to infest and corrupt the surrounding forest. So that's that. It doesn't all have to come from the same spot. It's like no. this, this feature of the universe now that if uh, things get evil enough around a plant, it can just start a chain reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool because it goes from the specific, this Gulthius lore that you can choose to use or not. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of gives you an idea that it can be broader. It can be something else evil that happens that makes a Gulthius tree. Um, you don't have to use a Gulthius tree. You can make it any sort of evil. Yeah. But sticking with what's in the book, the Gulthius tree gives you a way to structure an adventure site or a plot by having there be at the center of it an actual vampire tree yeah. uh, with some intelligence and uh, motivation behind yeah. it. It'd be like I, I would imagine a great big like gnarled old tree with a skeleton embedded into it, you know, and that's Gulfius's I like the body. vampire corpse is actually yeah. still part of the tree. Like the tree kind of grew yes. a part of it. That sort of like takes away from the, the druid transplanting the, the <laughs> tree. Be like, I believe in this tree. It, the tree is a tree. I don't care that it's growing in a vampire in a tower. I'm going to go plant this somewhere nice. Yeah, I don't think that yeah. takes away from it. I think that's great. I think yeah. it means like he it, it doesn't care where the food came from. Yeah. Because the cycle of... Uh, life and death blah 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 it's got to eat something may as well eat a vampire it's yeah. great um maybe he transplanted it like with the body so that it could feed off of it still like yeah. didn't like didn't just like take the sapling out of the vampire like took the whole thing and yeah. planted it somewhere that seems like a druidy kind of thing to do you know yeah totally and just kind of like scoff at anybody who's like why are you carrying the corpse around i was like the tree needs food yeah right? like this... there's a lot of nitrogen <laughs> <laughs> vampires are like uh uh chicken feces lots yeah. of nitrogen mm -hmm. yeah if you really want to like kickstart your garden <laughs> put a vampire in yeah yeah it's gonna um, be a dead vampire but it also that goes well with um one of my favorite ideas about druids which has them being like eco-terrorists yeah totally so what better way to mess with civilization than to uh culture an invasive evil uh blight forest plant a vampire to keep out pests yeah from your forest <laughs> mm -hmm. and all those other other druids that are like hey wait no this is a weird evil forest you're like this that's you're 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 putting your own value system on the forest that's ridiculous the mm -hmm. forest is here first and it's look it's already consumed 10 villages so like what you know it's just it's the circle yeah, of life totally baby circle of life i would also imagine like uh like druids um eco terrorist druids also to be kind of like weirdly darwinian about everything about all their morality it's like no no just like circle of life survival like look this thing is the apex predator here so like that's normal yeah i think you yeah. can uh you can get away with appearing more evil or you, you probably look more evil the more of a long-term view you have on things. So like a druid who's in favor of like devastating wildfires yeah. and won't do anything to stop them is doing so because they know that maybe in the long term, the like wildfires are a natural life cycle of a forest yeah. that they like rip, like new life is created. It kind of has to happen every so often. Yeah. Uh, they would know that and feel fine with it taking out some human villages or whatever in the process. Yeah. Whereas like a typical player character druid might have a shorter term understanding of things and want to like stop the fire and preserve the life that already yeah. exists. Um, so that's a good way to have like a sympathetic villain. Maybe someone's taking an extra long term view of, of catastrophic events. Yeah, it's like how, um, and I, I don't know too much about this, but this is what, this is the thing. There's, there's in, uh, there are a bunch of timelines, I guess, in the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. And, um, at some point, I'm, I'm going to mess up some of the details, uh, of this. That's our motto. Don't that's, worry. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Uh, at some point, um, Dr. Doom gets to look into the future somehow. 
I think it's through talking to the 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 god from a uh, um the Black Panther country. Okay, you know, uh, they have a they have a like a kind of mystic deity. That I think it's like a like a like a I, sort of like a giant giant cosmic panther sort of thing. But I anyways, think it pretty much is a giant cosmic yeah, panther. Yeah, and Doctor Doom, you you get to go in there, and um, I uh, I I I guess it reads your mind, and if you're one hundred percent certain about what's in your mind when you go in there, then you can come out with something else that you need. I think it's one of the one of the one of the uh, magic stones for the Infinity Gauntlet okay. or something. Anyways, um, Doctor Doom goes in there and it was like, he's not going to come out because he's like a, a, a fucked up villain, you know? So he's not going to, He's not, but he goes in there um, and he discovers that 100% for a fact, the only timeline of the future where humanity exists is the one where Doctor Doom is the like uh, absolute dictator of humanity. Right. And so all of his villainous like plots and everything are to get to that end game of being the only like being in the only timeline where humans don't die out right and he's so, convinced he's doing the right thing yeah so no matter what like short-term villainy dr doom is doing ultimately he 100 percent believes that he's actually saving all of humanity by doing whatever he's doing cool because it's the only that's the only way humans exist is with dr doom is the is the, yeah. is the leader of everybody so you can have a druid that's basically like Doctor Doom in that kind of scenario. Be like, well, actually, the only time that the only way life and nature continues to exist on the prime material plane is if I just put all of this nonsense into the world I right plant now. This vampire, yeah, I got to plant this vampire. Plant and your vampire now. Kill all kinds of people, but that's fine because this is the only way yeah. to preserve a larger organism it's for your health. Yeah, but in the meantime, you have to deal with the blights, the blights themselves. Yeah, what are they? What are they all about? First of all, the blight. Um, as a whole, can spread with supernatural speed and take over villages in a matter of days, which is cool because then that gives you and the uh, the players, more importantly, something to act on now. Yeah. Instead of just kind of uh, bumble into mm-hmm. creates an actionable item. Yeah, it creates a really good call to adventure too, mm-hmm. to because they're they're not, they're not individually terribly threatening monsters. So it's a really good way to start your adventure as an adventurer. You're like, well, we've lost contact with this town. We need to hire some people to go check it out. Yeah, you go there and they're just like, there's no town here, just a forest. Wait a second. Yeah, yeah, a good adventure site would be a, a village taken over by the blight. Yeah, nice and moody. Mm-hmm. Lots of opportunity for atmospheric music yeah and descriptions good good time to put on the 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 town theme from diablo one <laughs> it's a classic D soundtrack always take that opportunity me. yeah the blights themselves are independent creatures but mostly act under a Gulthius tree's control displaying habits and traits of the life force or spirit that spawned them which is neat because they again they are not evolved creatures they are created which means yeah. that they're not going to act like um, th- things with their own uh, fears for survival, they're going to take on the personality in probably like an uncanny way. Yeah. Um, and they're going to act and do things that aren't to their own benefit, but best reflect the kind of uh, the, con- the whoever has control over them. Yeah. They're like a, a, a like a you, what is it? A you social um, like uh, hive organism that sent you social. What is yeah. that? That's when um, something like like bees or ants or um, uh, naked mole rats, like anything that lives in a colony, mm-hmm. where they um, uh, the the colony is kind of like behaving more as like the the single entity, right? In, a in super nature. organism, yeah, exactly. So like anything with a queen and like and mm-hmm. that lives in a large colony that like sort of collectively acts in ways. So and uh, uh, naked mole rats. I didn't. Social. I didn't know that one. They have queens. They're they have queens. queens. Yeah, the, there's there's one that has all the babies. It's bigger than the other ones. That's amazing. Do yeah. they coordinate beyond that, or do they do they yeah, just maintain they have whole, like matriarchal authority? No, they have a whole. There are warriors and there are diggers, right? And they they and they they have a they communicate with scent, I think, and like uh, just like I think touching the whiskers to each other, and they're <laughs> yeah they they will they will like dig new tunnels to flank snakes that try to come into their their burrows. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, we have to get off that topic Sorry. because I'll yeah. just talk about that for <laughs> the whole episode. There's got to be something later. One of the underground yeah. uh, creatures. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Yeah, uh, make a note. Let's make a note of that yeah. in the record. Okay. In the meantime, so these blights, they proceed to do whatever that the evil thing that spawned them was trying to do, and it's probably 
it's I think it's kind of a, an interesting take on the like zombie servitor mm-hmm. idea yeah. because of these blights. I don't see them being like uh like responding to orders directly. Yeah. They're they're kind of just they're given the programming and they're kind of just left to their own devices to carry it out. Yeah. In yeah. the way that they understand it and are able to act on it. So they're not really they don't have direct control. They're not being controlled directly or steered or can even really be given orders, but they're just kind of like doing it yeah. organically. Yeah. They so they it. might do things that aren't actually what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like if the old evil wanted like a certain gem or something was the the his his ultimate quest, then a blight might find a gem that like kind of looks like it and then treats it as if it's the gem that has been seeking and then yeah. start doing all this weird stuff with yeah. it that is of no avail. Or they're just collecting everything that's blue and translucent. Right, yeah, you know? stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, this is, they just have this weird pile of garbage. Yeah, that you, that, like, and you see it everywhere, but they guard yeah. it really, really uh, uh, hostily. They're, yeah. they're really aggressive in their, their hoarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things like that are, are interesting because it separates that from, like, smart servants or even like mindless undead yeah that still generally carry out the word of the the the, the actual quest these things yeah. are just kind of doing their best yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so let's look at the three individual blights given in the book you got the needle blight which are horrid plants with conifer-like needles growing in quivering clumps some great language in this in this entry okay. here and they shoot the needles so they're kind of like ranged they're small ranged uh nuisance fighters yeah and what's what i like about them is that they release a pollen when threatened that attracts other needle blights oh that's which great is, which is cool yeah. so then the idea is they just swarm people after you first encounter them uh then you've got twig blights which can root and look like woody shrubs and their whole shtick is that they wait in uh, near watering holes and campsites, yeah. or likely campsites. They just look like a bunch of brambles, and then they come to life and beat the crap out of you while you're trying to sleep or drink water. And then the vine blights are sort of the bigger deals. They hide in the undergrowth, um, so they actually just kind of like are dudes, viney dudes yeah. hanging out in the bushes. Yeah. Um, they're capable of speech because they are connected more strongly than the others to the source of the corruption so they can act as a liaison point and they can they can it says in particular that they can actually like make intelligent discussion so it's an actual conduit it's not just a uh facsimile yeah or an imitation and they can also cast a version of entangle which makes difficult terrain and so it makes retreat and movement uh hard for people so those are the three uh three flavors you have a what I like about the 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 twig blights, or sorry, the uh, uh, the needle blight, um, you should be each one is pretty weak, yeah, and not much of a deal. But the thing with blights is that they exist in a blighted area, yeah, and they kind of turn travel and wilderness uh, encounters into something much more dangerous and frightening because yeah, totally. the whole forest is out to get you at this yeah. point. The whole forest actively hates you yeah. and wants you to die. Yeah, you're a you're an invasive organism, like a hostile organism inside of it, and its immune system is going to seek you out, you know. Yeah, that's a that's you. a good way of yeah. thinking about it. So the the needle blights after you encounter the first one, you can almost like like understand how the adventure is going to go if you just think about what these things can do. So the needle blight, you encounter one or two and yeah. you fight them. And then they send their pollen out and then it gets hairy from there because yeah. then the whole forest is probably full of these guys and they yeah. just come at you and they don't stop. And I don't, I think the way I would play this is that I would not ever stop sending needle blights. Yeah. You have to leave. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> you that, have to, yeah. yeah. It's a, like an area denial kind of thing. It's, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. And you could stand there and like hold your gun for a while if you knew what you were doing. But eventually it'd be like, uh, yeah, I yeah. This is ending. I yeah. think the way I, I would play it is they have to get something from like maybe a village that yeah. was overrun and they have to get it. But while they are dealing with that, trying to like undo locks or, or yeah. bust into somewhere, endless needle blights are coming and all they can do is fight off a wave and try to set up a defense for the next one and just yeah. kind of make it be like, 
the 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 timer is is on it's survival horror yeah survival horror so there's no beating it at least not at this point mm-hmm. all you can do is conserve resources spend resources wisely while an unrelenting unstopping force comes at you yeah um what is, what's the other one the twig twig blights yeah the ones that hide yeah this is a good way of fighting off uh player characters that want to rest all the time yeah totally <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, again, kind of subverting the wilderness travel, um, how easy it can be sometimes, and the way parties tend to use resting strategically so to get back all of their stuff. Attack them. It's going to work really well the first time. Yeah. They might be a little nervous after they know that the, the plants are alive, so maybe this might be the first encounter you want to have them with blights, maybe. Yeah. Um, just like the bush next to the fire that you thought was not just a bush is yeah. not and starts like picking up your tent and throwing it around um you ever seen jason x jason x is that the one where he <laughs> it's went a, to the one in space, space? yeah yeah, yeah. There's, no i've never they, seen they it. do a hollow deck thing yeah they try to uh spoiler alert they try to stop jason or at least delay him by putting they he goes into like a hollow deck and they run a simulation of like camp crystal lake right with two teenagers like yeah. Uh, like having sex in a tent <laughs> with Jason hates. Yeah. So he goes over and picks up their sleeping bag that they're in and just bashes it on a rock over and over and over yeah. again. But they don't die because they're a hologram mm-hmm. and it actually delays him for a good amount of time. <laughs> but I imagine a, a twig blight picking up like a, a, a character sleeping bag and just bashing it on a rock if they can. Yeah. And then I- you can keep doing that because if they want to rest, they will have to deal with the fact that these they're there all the time. The whole forest is full of them. So yeah. they have to like come up with elaborate uh, sleeping arrangements and, and like early warning traps and yeah. things like that. And then the D- as a DM, you get to try and come up with ways around it um, or kind of have it just that they succeed in their clever scheme. So either yeah. way, it's a, it's a good time. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I like that. It, it's yeah. And I, I like the, um, I feel like, you could really, if your if your characters are sleeping in tents instead of just bedrolls, you could. I, I really like you could you could because they have claws, right? Just mm-hmm. have them. It's like oh, you see like a branch like rubbing up against the, the tent, but there was no tree next to there, and there's a bunch of them, and that you can kind of like make this oh, thing yeah. that makes everybody a little bit jumpy when they're camping, and then they just really kind of like see that in the worst case scenario is like no, no, the plants are monsters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, yeah, you could even go full horror and make it like yeah. kind of uh, incremental. So like the first time they sleep. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's yeah, not it's an attack, but it's kind of like a probe. Yeah. And like, they feel around and they scratch the, the tents and whatever. This all depended on them having tents. If they're yeah. just sleeping rolls, you can have them like be figures in the dark beyond the, the light of the fire. Yeah. Because the twig blights in particular are weak against fire. So they would probably actually kind of stay away from it if they could. Mm hmm. So um, that gives a good reason for them to kind of keep their distance and check you out. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it, you, you're totally right. You should really play up the horror. Use your horror uh, movie repertoire to full effect. A little twig people. That's You could do a Blair Witch thing, except where the, the little effigies come to life at some point. Little effigies themselves are the, the villains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then the Vine Blight. Yeah, these guys, I don't know exactly what to do with them. They seem, I think they would be like saved for the later encounters. Yeah. Guardians of key areas. Yeah. Maybe. This is like further in when you get to speak to the mouth of Sauron for this little adventure. Right. Why they would want to communicate with you. Because I feel like a plant, even the Galthius tree, unless it was, unless you were playing it to be uh, actually kind of a repository for the vampire's psyche or personality. So it still kind of acts like an individual humanoid even though it's in the body of a tree. Right, yeah, yeah. Maybe then it would want to communicate. But if it's strictly a plant, I, f- I don't know what it would want to say. So I feel like it would be uh, uh, not willing to negotiate with terrorists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would probably just, like, try to kill you. <laughs> yeah, even <laughs> right if, away. Even if yeah. it was exposed and um, if the tactical thing would be to try to negotiate, I think a vampire tree would just be too... Uh, primal like it wouldn't I wouldn't think to communicate it would mm-hmm. just be would try to do its thing to the very last like yeah. a plant would like plants yeah. just do their thing until they can't yeah they don't talk to you about it yeah I guess if if you take it more in the direction of like the plants are kind of like 
like acting in the stead of whatever evil created them. Mm-hmm. But you could sort of like, okay, well, to think like this, um, like evil plants colony, this this growing forest, I have to like kind of think a little bit like a vampire, but then go with more primal kind of naturalistic interpretation of what a vampire would do, right? Mm-hmm. So vampires... Um, are you know like they're 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 predatory sort of things we'll get to them much later in the alphabet but <laughs> in a few um, years they like a like the natural instinct of something kind of like a vampire would be like okay well these things are pretty tough i've got to lure it into a place where i can kill it more easily kind of like you know like a um a, a, a tiger is one gonna want to be behind you and like you not see it before it gets you like a vampire is gonna probably want to um uh like kill you if it can in the terms in the in the in the way that's most favorable favorable for it right so the vine blight following its like natural instinct to like okay well i'm in survival mode but these things are pretty tough they fought their way in here kind of somehow so like i've got to lure them into a good spot and kill them that's when it would sort of talk to them be like hey what are you doing in the forest oh uh well why don't you come over here and we can talk and it leads you into a trap so it would talk to you as a way to um try to like uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Get you into a position where like way more needle blights and way more trig blights can show up all of a sudden. It's, Use what the original yeah. evil entity would know about humans or something to yeah. be like they probably want food and shelter so maybe you can yeah. lure them over here with that and it's still kind of be interpreting it in like a sort of alien or like robotic kind of way like it wouldn't quite get it right right yeah, but yeah. i like that it would be trying it's like okay no no language is a weapon that these these weird interlopers use so i'll use it against them and it would still it would get it kind of weird yeah. yeah you could even use um subversions of like the nymph or the 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 dryad or whatever yeah, and like yeah oh you guys like uh sexy stuff right well yeah how about this gorgeous uh, tree <laughs> that i made <laughs> uh honey trap for you yeah. uh <laughs> do you want that and it's like really probably no one will fall for it but it's at least like um a memorable thing probably yeah, <laughs> yeah. to include yeah um, you could also just have the vine blights. Um, do they have a thing where they look like? No, they. You can tell they're. You, there's nothing where they camouflage, but you could sort of make them camouflage if you want to. Yeah, really. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Again, as with most of the entries, um, you are encouraged by us to make up your own variations and to use the the natural world. I'm sure you can yeah. find all kinds of stuff. I kind of didn't look up too many plants in particular because blights are less about the individual plant and more about how they try to take on the, the marriage of a plant and their originating personality mm-hmm. or the, the creator's personality. Um, because there are things like ropers and, and tree ants and yeah. things like that, that have more to do with existing plants, I think. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, Cause I, I didn't want to do any predatory plants because the roper is kind of a predatory plant. Yeah. Exactly. Treant is like the tree spirit. Um, but I did come up with some other things to help us come up with interesting uh, blight stuff. So first of all, you already mentioned comic books, the Marvel Universe. Yeah. We're going to go to DC and talk about Swamp Thing. Oh, great. <laughs> Swamp Thing, uh, invented by Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson in 1971. It was the result of Louisiana scientist Alex Olson nearly dying in a chemical explosion orchestrated by a man jealous of his marriage to a woman named Linda. (laughs) Alex's body was thrown into a swamp covered in chemicals because he was a scientist, and the chemicals turned him into Swamp Thing, and he had various uh, adventures, usually short horror stories. Yeah. And the whole swamp... It was was pretty uh, successful. People liked it. And then in the 80s, Alan Moore got to have free reign on the idea. So uh, he's a great old wizard of the comic book world. He came up with um, a grand vision, and they let him do it. And what he did was he revealed that Swamp Thing was not actually Alex Olsen at all. Right. Alex Olsen died covered in chemicals at the bottom of the swamp, and the thing that rose up was a massive plant life triggered by the plot device chemicals. Using Alex's DNA as a schematic to rebuild itself in his likeness, which sent Swamp Thing into like an existential meltdown. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was like the prime, like the, the horror became like uh, a cosmic, both cosmic because Swamp Thing was kind of placed in this uh, cosmic drama between um, the forces of 
mammal life and plant life yeah. and the rot, which was like its own thing. And then other people, uh, who would use the rot to like try to destroy the world, playing with like these natural powers that are usually in perfect balance and all this stuff. Uh, and then existential horror about this swamp thing who thought it was Alex Olson is yeah. now re- has to realize that it's not at all. It's its own thing. Yeah. Uh, and then you later find out that there, since humans have been around, there have been other swamp things. Um, there's always been swamp things since humans were around plants imitating life and thinking right. it's one thing when it's really just a massive other stuff. Yeah. Um, so it gets, it gets interesting. And I think that's, if you wanted to have a, uh, sentient blight, a character, an NPC blight, that's a way to go. Make, yeah. make a blight who thinks that it's a dead hero or a dead villain, um, instead of, or in addition to something like a Galthius tree, you could yeah. have individual blight creatures be the problem in the adventure. There's a, a one of the, <laughs> great images and moments of this version of the swamp thing because they i think they changed it back there's there i can only read so much history of of comic book characters before uh my eyes roll in the back of the head because i can't keep it all straight they keep going back and forth with everything while this version the like purely plant version was going on uh swamp thing eventually retrieves the skeleton of the real uh Alex Alex Olson from right. the swamp, yeah, um, and proves to itself that it's really not that person. So it's right. like this, like coming to terms with not being who you thought you were. Yeah, um, it's like body horror and existential horror, and like I think he, they mention in the comic that it's like, um, like human beings are made up of cells that weren't there when we were born. Right. So thinking about that can be like a source of anxiety for people because you're like you're not or what is it there's a there's some analogy of a, of a ship a boat. Oh, the ship of theseus right yeah 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 being um, um is it really the same ship if it's if every part has been replaced yeah like one time? by one every single piece of wood and every part you replace it one by one it's, yeah 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 and so your cells are constantly replacing themselves so like you're made up of totally different matter than you were when you were born there hasn't been like straight continuity through the whole thing exactly yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know if you can use that in a game. A lot of like, a lot of this, that stuff is like purely facing the blight. And I don't know, unless you make the player characters realize that they're just plants imitating life. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe like at a certain point you could, you could start it with just having like something happened in this town. All the plants are trying to kill us. What do we do? And then slowly the mystery reveals itself. You realize why those are there. Maybe you talk to the mad old druid who is like, created the whole thing who's just gone crazy and is now living out the rest of his life as a salamander so you've got to find a salamander and this whole thing and then you find out the backstory after like fighting and running around a whole bunch and then you realize okay well this evil forest thinks it's this vampire and it's got this body it doesn't understand and it's still trying to do what it's trying to do and spread evil and control over things but you got to go talk to it and be like hey dude you're not the vampire anymore you're a forest so just chill out yeah then yeah that'd be still and the way you talk to it is by finding the vine blights. you have to bring you yeah you talk to the vine blights as the point of contact yeah and because getting too close to it is probably too dangerous. Yeah, but you got to bring it. And you have to find the corpse or yeah. something to like sh- prove that it's not who it thinks the it is. The one the druid took the sapling out of, right? Yeah. So you got to go back to the uh, Fang, what is it? Fang Time, uh, <laughs> fang time Stadium. Fang Time Stadium. <laughs> uh, uh, something. The Rogers. Night Fang Spire. Right. So you got to go back to Night Fang, fang Spire. Molson Canadian Spire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, great. That's a good one. You could even have um, non-evil interpretations where, like, a village of blights are just acting out normal village stuff. Yeah. Because they think they are supposed to be doing it, but they're doing it, like, kind of wrong. Yeah. And strangely. Um, it's immediately apparent that they're not who they think they are. There's but a like, plant person who's a blacksmith, but he's just, he's not making anything. He's just hitting the anvil. He's just hammering, like, a rock. Yeah, he's <laughs> just hammering a rock. Just doing their best. Yeah. And like, you don't want to upset them. Yeah. And you don't necessarily want to make them, like, you don't know how to interact with them, so you don't want to burst their bubble necessarily. Yeah. But you want to get something out of them or you want to end, you don't want them to spread. Yeah. So you have to, like, but they're seemingly, like, normal. They just, maybe, like, the, the, the damage that they do 
to humans, humanoids is incidental and not intentional. Yeah, right. So you have to decide how to, how best to deal with this problem. Do you just wipe them out or do you try to do a little extra work and, yeah. uh, make them back off on their own by yeah. by curing their existential crisis. Just be like, no, you know what? Where here's the deal. We the humans are going to treat you like your regular human things and you just stay over there. Yeah, you just have to mow your lawn and yeah. not let yourself yeah. grow in, we'll, any further. We'll do business with you and we'll treat you like everyone else, but just like stop spreading. No more expansion. Yeah. 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 And then you could go even farther and have that be the status quo and then yeah. have a blight who thinks otherwise and then is trying to like expand because they have a right to manifest destiny as well. Yeah. Or God it had like it. a weird dream where it remembered some of the vampire stuff from way back, you know? Sure. Yeah. 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 Those are all good stuff. Yeah. I got something on uh, Apple Tree Man. Apple Tree Man. I almost didn't want to talk about it because it'd be good for a tree ant episode, but right. that's going to be in like the next eight years, so... We'll, we'll do a little tree. We'll dip into the trees right now. Apple tree man is a name given to the spirit of the oldest apple tree in an orchard and in whom the fertility of the orchard is thought to reside. So kind of like the patron patron apple tree of the apple orchard. Right. Okay. Tales of the apple tree man were collected by Ruth Tongue. Great name. <laughs> in the cider producing country of Somerset. In one story, a man offers his last mug of mulled cider to the trees in his orchard on Christmas Eve. He is rewarded by the apple tree man who reveals to him the location of buried gold, more than enough to pay his rent. <laughs> oh, man. If only. I'm going to start giving some mulled wine to You some may trees. as well try. Yeah. Just go into my backyard and... Pour one out. Yeah. In another tale, a farm cat was curious to explore some fields that people avoided working because they were haunted by ghosts and witches. <laughs> She set out one day and got as far as the orchard when the apple tree man cautioned her to go back home because folks were coming to pour cider for his roots and shoot guns to drive away the witches. He persuaded her not to go wandering around at night until St. Tibbs Eve. I don't know when that is. And she never did because she didn't know when St. Tibbs Eve is. <laughs> and this is a cat? Yeah, nor this, did anyone yeah. else know. <laughs> So the apple tree man just knows about this saint and this day, or this day for a saint at least, that nobody else does. No. <laughs> He's talking to cats. He was like, yo, chill out. Some people are going to shoot some guns and just wait until, yeah. you know. It's a very confusing yeah. tale, but it's great. It's, I love everyone. <laughs> Where is it from? Like, what is the, sorry, what was the it's origin It's English of folklore. Right. Uh, okay. Somerset. Yeah. The cider Somerset. producing region of Somerset. That's, that's great. I like it that it's a friendly it's a good thing you know it's just like, it's a it's a yeah. at least a friendly and maybe slightly mischievous if it's misleading a cat with a fake yeah saint's day yeah but maybe uh maybe just in the story nobody knew i haven't looked up what saint tibbs day is so I, yeah i also i like that uh the cat goes and checks with other people it's like do you know about this yeah you, you heard, heard of this thing yeah, and it's 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 got to be in my mind. It's in some kind of like Beatrix Potter universe. Oh, where totally. Just animals that sometimes act like people unquestionably, and that's just like a part. Sometimes the animals are animals. Sometimes they're people. It's it's fine. It's all the same yeah. in the end. Yeah, it all comes out the same in the wash. Yeah. Um. We we we've got the green man. Ah, the that guy who went for walks, right? Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's that's one of the 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 green man interpretations. Yeah. Thing about the green man is that there's no particular like specific stories or canon about him mm -hmm. he's yeah. not in any particular pantheon he's just this recurring motif and idea there are lots of like associated deities like uh dionysus right yeah and osiris um various cultures have if not the uh, a green man then they have uh, other deities that show um, signs of the green man that have like similar attributes. So like leaves growing out of them or the, the color green. Um, uh, there are three mo there are common types of green man that right. are depicted. There's the foliage head, which is completely covered in green leaves. The disgorging head, which spews vegetation from its mouth. And the bloodsucker head, which sprouts vegetation from all facial orifices from the tear ducts and nostrils and mouth <laughs> and uh, ears, I think. So uh, 
It's just a, it's a pretty like primal idea, which is why it kind of pops up everywhere. And the yeah. green man is, um, it's definitely in like druidic, uh, imagery, lots of pagan imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also used in, um, ecclesiastic imagery okay. because it's kind of like, uh, Father Christmas stuff, which kind of bleeds right. the, kind of just walks the line between pagan and Christian with Santa yeah. and all that. Um, it's just kind of like a general nature deity man who's like, he's a man and goes about his business. So it's like a cycle because he exists in time and space because he's a man. Yeah. But he's just full of nature. Yeah. Um, and sometimes his face opens up and he can shoot things at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes he shoots needles at you yeah. from his quivering needles. Yeah. Um, so all over the place. That's a good, uh, like one of the closest mythological creatures that I can think of to, to a blight mm-hmm. is the green man. Um, there's a great painting, which I'm only just now remembering that I can't remember the actual name of. Um, look up plant man. I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish I was better at art history. Um, but there's, there's a portrait. I think it was a self portrait as vegetables or something like that. Oh, that's that great. Someone did. Um, also, the vegetable gremlin from Gremlins 2 yeah. is maybe a source of inspiration. Yeah, I can uh, see that. <laughs> uh, oh, well, speaking of that, um, we can talk about the green giant. Because Gremlins 2 is a... is a. I follow the Gremlins 2... Uh, the, the Institute of Gremlins 2 studies right, on Twitter. Yeah. I think I've talked about that. They talk about the, the vegetable gremlin as like uh, the commodification of goods. <laughs> Because the gremlins are kind of about commodification because they're kind of like a Furby gone yeah. mad. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the vegetable gremlin is like even mundane, necessary commodities being like cartoonified. Um, the green giant is a play on the green man. Um, the brand green giant, great big tender peas <laughs> was first used in 1925. And the figure of a giant was introduced three years later by Carly Stanek. The brand was created in response to the discovery of a new variety of pea, the Prince of Wales. <laughs> they were, as Martin Sloan relates, I don't know who that is, oblong, wrinkled, and as peas go, huge. <laughs> uh, so that's that's a bit of that. Uh, uh, it's interesting because you can, the green giant, you can kind of interpret it as a blight created by a corporation. Yeah. <laughs> And plays on the idea that you can, anyone can make a blight, anything, any uh, powerful enough emotion or energy can create a blight that carries out the the will of yeah. whatever created it. So in this case, you have the corporation um, purposely creating a blight to be its spokesman. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, well, we've done some research, and uh looks like if we focus really intensely on our negative energies and around a plant, we can create, uh, bring it to life, and we can use that for marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Frank ran the numbers, and it uh, looks pretty good. Yeah. It looks, uh, there's there's money in vampire peas. <laughs> I also like Big, that... tender vampire peas. Yeah. Is, 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 is peas go huge? <laughs> yeah. I also like how... It's so modest. Yeah, yeah. Huge, but for peas. Yeah, it really, like... The it's not real, that bad. The modifier on that is, like, as as peas go. Like, that means something very different if you don't say as peas go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't let your imagination go too wild. Yeah. This pumpkin-sized, <laughs> oblong, wrinkled pea. So you can have, um, again, the idea of a wizard did it. You can have um, an enterprising wizard or mercantile guild come up with their own blight yeah to just market products <laughs> yeah you could do you could do a weird like gmo monsanto thing right like you've got oh this yeah yeah bar- you can get re- yeah. right political with yeah, it if you want totally you've, you've got like this uh i don't know this big fancy farming guild from the city who's like we've figured out a way to make plants grow faster and but then it, it starts taking over everything oh like, yeah oh, yeah no. the place just gets overrun with like yeah. soy yeah, exactly. Strangling yeah. soybeans. Yeah, they like umbrella corporation it, but with plants instead. Yeah, yeah. That that could be fun. Could be the good. green giant as like the 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 like the Ghostbusters marshmallow man. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was thinking a little bit. This isn't from a like a mythological sort of thing, but um, uh, I this the this entry in the monster manual reminded me a bit of the movie The Happening, that M Night Shyamalan movie. 
I've never seen that. So the premise of this movie yes. is that suddenly um, all across the world, people just stop whatever they're doing. Oh, right. Is this uh, Marky right? Mark's in it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Marky okay. Mark's in it. I haven't yeah. seen it, but so I So is that. Zoe Chanel. Um, and, uh, they, and the, but it's the, and the twist that they reveal in the beginning of the movie that was in the trailer. So it's not even really a twist. The spoiler is sort of here. If you don't know anything about it, do you mind if I tell you? Please. Okay. Is that plants are releasing some kind of spore into the air that is making people kill themselves. And plants are doing this as a response to, uh, humans. They're, they're like, oh, you know what? These humans are bad for our survival. Oh, and so, so all plant life, because different species of plants can communicate to each other through like right. things in their pollen. They're all collectively releasing this thing that screws with human brains and makes you like immediately suicidal. But it's all the plants all around the world that are doing this. And it has something to do with colony collapse disorder with disorder with bees. It's a weird, it's a very strange plot. Oh man. Yeah. It's, I'm it into was, that. Yeah. It was a, it has some of the most like stilted, dry, strange dialogue I've ever heard. <laughs> the, the, the twist is that they reveal the twist right away in an M. Night Shyamalan movie. And it's very apparent. <laughs> it's a meta that they were twist. Like, you know what? We want to, we want to do a hard R movie. So they wrote a lot of the script around just having just whatever gnarly scene they could do to force it to be an r-rated movie because i'm not shamalan just wanted to make one so um but it's got some great lines of like me no man why you i am my limit it's good it's 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 a good bad movie it's a really good terrible movie great but um i what i like about it is is all of the plants collectively were like you know what these humans are no good for us so let's just do our weird nature thing and make them all, and, and just release a spore. Right, that an immune thing. response. Yeah. Like, kind of like you were saying earlier. Yeah, sort of. So another way to take it is it's just all of the forests everywhere have oh, decided yeah, yeah. that everything else if is you bad. go full apocalyptic. Yeah. And uh, uh, so if you want to do, like, a larger scale, higher stakes kind of thing, um, where just suddenly every forest everywhere is hostile. Um, then you, you could take it that direction too. I feel like it would get a little repetitive with just the three creatures that you can yeah, encounter you, you along the way. Yeah, you need to do a bit more work. Do a whole bunch more. And like maybe, I don't know, just have like zombies that show up, but they have like flowers growing out of them. So they're plant zombies or you could make plant flavored versions of other monsters if you wanted. But that's another, you could do it, do it like the hap, the happening. Could just just uh, watch the happening, yeah. yeah. Just watch the happening and turn that into a Dungeons Dragons adventure. You could, it could be good. Yeah, it could yeah. be good. <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, plants talking to each other. They do, they do do that. I don't remember um, any of the details like usual, but they can communicate through their root systems as well. Yeah, yeah. And they, if there's like a disease affecting one, then other trees will start producing um, antibodies. Yeah. Or they'll they'll start creating conditions that will protect against that disease. Yeah. In particular. Yeah. Or if they're being damaged by like particular insects or something, they will other trees in the area will create will have like immune responses. Yeah. Um the smell of rain is actually a chemical that plants release to keep their roots from getting uh, like it's an oil that they release to keep their roots from getting messed up by stuff in the rain. Sorry. Don't bullshit me. Yeah. No, the smell of rain <laughs> is an oil that plants release. I didn't know that. Yeah. And they and that's uh, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I was wondering how uh like soap companies came up with the rain smell. Yeah. For their stuff. And I was like, how did they capture that? They must have done like these weird trial and errors. But no, it's an if they could actually get it from a tree. Yeah. And you can maybe like maybe it is all synthetic, but they probably could get it if it, if it is an oil, then that's how they get it. There's a word assuming. for that stuff too. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Okay. This episode. Sorry, I, I I got excited and cut you off in the middle of something you were saying. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. I don't you, think you have it all. Uh, I was just uh, I'm so sidelined by that. I was just talking about the 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 roots talking to each other. Right. Oh, one other thing about plants. Uh, there's a there's a good Radio Lab episode um, about plants and memory. Oh, yeah. About uh, a certain kind of plants they used in research. It was only done... It's been like one person did the study a bunch of times, but it hasn't been corroborated by like the greater field, science in general. Right. But there's a convincing argument in the uh, show, anyways, to be made that um, plants can remember things. So there's a certain plant that um, protects itself by contracting all of its leaves mm-hmm. if it's touched. Right. Um, to protect it, uh, uh, yeah, to protect itself. And 
it's triggered by things bumping into it and like touching it. So the study they did was they would drop the plant from a safe height uh, repeatedly and so create the same conditions of the fall over and over again. And at first it would start protecting itself and then releasing, protecting itself, releasing. And then uh, once it realized like what, like what they suspect was happening is that once the plant decided it was safe to yeah. fall from that distance, it would stop contracting. Neat. But if they changed anything about the setup, it would contract because it was a new situation that it wasn't sure of. But if left to the same conditions, it kind of remembered how it went down and didn't spend because it takes oh, energy to contract, yeah. right? Um, so it wouldn't spend the energy to contract if it knew it was safe to fall from that distance under the same conditions. Right. Um, but there's all kinds of like, they talked to other scientists that were like, this is kind of inconclusive and done mm -hmm. with like one laboratory. Like we need other people need to do it. And the one host of Radiolab, uh, Jad, is that his name? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's historically not really into evidence of plants and animals having anything going on upstairs. Yeah. Um, which infuriates me because yeah. I'm someone that really thinks about that kind of stuff. And he is so suspicious as to like dismiss things outright. Right. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a frustrating episode to listen to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting and you should check it out for more. If you're interested in like plant, um, uh, life. The idea of plants being um, sentient, or at least uh, having capacity for short-term memory. Yeah, well, and there's um, this is more fungus thing, but there are mycelium networks, uh, like fungal networks that go underneath right. entire forests. That um, uh, there are interspecies plant communication where yeah they can t you know respond to threats. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, all kinds of uh, uh, fungus stuff. That we, we need to reserve. Yeah, we'll save that for... But they do... It is also thought that trees communicate using fungal uh, highways. Yeah, it's like the internet for trees. Right. Yeah. Um, or let, well, it's really... It's kind of like it functions like a neural network. That's the thing. Right. It's being researched. It's like, this looks like a brain. It acts like one. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Is it a coincidence? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it could be convergent evolution. Who knows? Um... Uh, so the smell of rain thing, mm -hmm. I looked it up. It's called Petricker. Petricker. That's Petricker. Petricker, like P-E-T-R-I-C-H-O-R. -E uh-huh. Um, uh, which Petra, meaning stone, and Icker, the fluid that flows from the veins of the gods in Greek mythology. Petra Icker. But yeah, Petra Icker, I guess. Um, so what it was, was there were Australian researchers, um, that uh, in a paper they described how the smell derives from an oil exuded by certain plants during dry periods whereupon it's absorbed by the clay-based soils and rocks. During rain, the oil is released into the air along with another compound um, that is a byproduct of certain bacteria. Um, so it's actually, the smell is an oil reacting with another chemical that comes from bacteria, but it's in all the soil and all of the, like, most plants, right. like, secrete it. Right. So, Petricker... The smell of rain is actually the smell of plant oil, but it, it wasn't a defense mechanism like I had thought. What is what? Can they figure out what the purpose is, if any? Um, it's, 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 well, it doesn't really say because what because it's so attractive to the to my senses, yeah, anyways. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, let's see. MIT scientists use high speed cameras to record <laughs> how the scent moves through the air. Um, or maybe it's just a coincidence. Okay. Well, yeah, it looks like. Yeah, I don't know. It might just be a coincidence. Um, but it might be um, also like look at it more from like a human perspective, right? So like it could be not like the plant wants you to like the way it smells, but like that smell signifies something like attractive for like human habitation, like evolutionary speaking. Mm -hmm. So it might just be like it smells nice to us because like that means there's water and plants around here. And so that's a so good we, sign. So we've got a good, yeah. Yeah. So we're attracted to that. Yeah. Yeah, but, that could be. But, it could but, be all the people that had natural, uh, naturally perceived that smell to be awful, <laughs> like didn't quite make it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was humanity was divided between the people who liked the smell of rain right? and the people who yeah. didn't. And there was because imagine, imagine people like mutations in yeah. whatever genes that make us uh, think certain things when we smell things. People that like love the smell of uh, like sewage, yeah, probably don't last very long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? If you're really attracted to awful, like rotting meat and things like that, you're not supposed to be putting in your body. Yeah. And you get close to it, then you're probably not going to reproduce as successfully. I just love the feeling of laying down in the middle of this salt flat. Yeah. And staying <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. Without yeah. moving. So, yeah. yeah. Hard, it's hard to speculate on yeah. these things, uh, but that's, you know, that'd yeah. be my wild guess. Anyways, I wanted to fact check the Petricker thing there because I, I didn't great. want to spread spread of misinformation and, and and know that I was doing it. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that's what the correction sections yeah. of these uh, podcasts are supposed to be for, which, by the way, totally open to, uh, we have an email, monstermanualmash at gmail.com. Send your corrections and gripes yeah. and uh, suggestions that way. Um, we're coming, basically, but have been doing an hour, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've Pretty got, much exactly when you said that. Nailed it. Yeah podcast expert yeah i've got one more story that i don't think i would have an opportunity to tell in a future episode because i don't know what other monster it would be in it's kind of only uh tangentially related <laughs> but it's related to the green man so it's the story of the green knight yeah. sir gawain and the green knight mm-hmm. which um i'm i've seen excalibur and I've seen some other movies, but I'm not as familiar with Arthurian legend as I'd like to be. So maybe this will spur my interest because it's it's great. It's a good story. Yeah. Um, part of it is lifted from Wikipedia and some of it is summarized by me. So hopefully it makes some sense. So the green, uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. So all of the Knights of the Round Table are sent on a quest to go find the Grail. And they all have strange uh, times. And Sir Gawain's, or Gawain's uh, story includes this bit. It describes how Sir Gawain, a knight of King Arthur's round table, accepts a challenge from a mysterious green knight who challenges any knight to strike him with his axe if he will take a return blow in a year and a day. Gawain accepts and beheads him with his blow, at which point the green knight stands up, picks up his head, and reminds Gawain of the appointed time. <laughs> Which is great. That's such a good uh, thing to throw at PCs. Yeah. Give them a simple thing to think they can do and have it completely turn around on them. Yeah, totally. With a supernatural twist. Uh, in his struggle to keep his bargain, Gawain demonstrates chivalry and loyalty until his honor is called into question by a test involving Lady Bertilak, the Lady of the Green Knight's Castle. So what happens is Gawain uh, dutifully shows up mm-hmm. at the appointed place and time, but he's a little bit early, so he stays in a castle for like three nights right. before before that time. And in that time, so there's like uh, the Lord Bertilak and the Lady Bertilak who are staying, and the Green Knight is like, he'll, he'll be by, yeah, yeah. just stay in, our, in our place until then. And every night, the Lady of the Castle tries to seduce Gawain, while he's hanging out there, but he he courteously refuses each time because his chivalry is so upstanding. <laughs> um, but on the third night, uh, the lady offers a sash that will protect him against all physical harm, and this is something he can't refuse because he knows he he's going to die. Right. But he's still he's he's obeying the his his word. He's keeping his word even if it kills him. Yeah. But he can't quite turn this up, so he takes the sash. Um, also, at the same time, the lord of the castle made this weird deal where he, he will go out hunting every day and Gawain stays in the castle and whatever the lord brings back from his hunt, he gives to Gawain and whatever Gawain gets in the castle during yeah. the course of his day, he gives to the lord. Right. Uh, on the first day, the lord brings him, uh, I don't know, a stag or something and Gawain, having refused the, uh, the comings on of the lady, um, did get a kiss from her, mm-hmm. unwanted and courteously uh, refused afterwards. But he keeps his word and he gives the the Lord a kiss. Right. And the Lord's like, oh, who is that from? And he's like, uh, I don't know. Just don't worry about it. And the second day, the Lord comes back with like a boar or something. And the lady had given Gawain two kisses. Right. And so he, he gives the Lord two kisses. And he's like, oh, you cheeky bastard what are you doing in my castle and he's like uh, i don't know certainly not making out with your wife and turning her down every night um and on the third night uh he gives in to the lady because he wants that sash right and she gives him three kisses which is like porn in right. Arthurian yeah <laughs> legend that is some spicy stuff three kisses uh gives gives him the sash and he gives the three kisses to the lord but not the sash he keeps the sash to himself 
Right. But he's supposed to give everything to the Lord. Right. Right. Part of their weird deal they made for no reason. Yeah. And the next day, Gawain leaves for the green chapel, which is the appointed place at the appointed time. But he's got the girdle wound twice around his waist. He finds the green knight sharpening an axe. And as promised, Gawain bends his bared neck to receive his blow. At the first swing, Gawain flinches slightly and the green knight belittles him for it. Ashamed of himself, Gawain doesn't flinch with the second swing, but again the Green Knight withholds the full force of his blow. The knight explains he was testing Gawain's nerve. Angrily, Gawain tells him to deliver his blow, and so the knight does, causing only a slight wound on his neck. The game is over. Gawain seizes his sword, helmet and shield, but the Green Knight, laughing, reveals himself to be the lord of the castle, Bertilak, transformed by magic. He explains that the entire adventure was a trick of the elderly lady Gawain saw at the castle, who was just like this old hag hanging out in the, right. in the castle. Yeah. Who was actually the sorceress Morgan Le Fay, Arthur's sister, who intended to test Arthur's knights and frighten Guinevere to death. Gawain is ashamed to have behaved deceitfully, but the Green Knight laughs and professes him the most blameless knight in all the land. The two part on cordial terms. Gawain returns to Camelot wearing the girdle as a token of his failure to keep his promise. The knights of the round table absolve him of blame and decide that henceforth they will wear a green sash in recognition of Gawain's adventure and as a reminder to always be honest. And it's sort of, uh, I'm sure if you go into detail, you can pick out why, but this is supposedly something to do with um, the the green knight representing the more, uh, the pre-Christian England. Right. Um, and the way of life in pre-Christian England. Yeah. And how Sir Gawain is a, is a proto-Christian um uh, uh is at first adversarial with it yeah and then later comes to terms with it and in kind of um there's like a uh synergy between the two worlds and orders restored to britain uh this way so the green knight is like a kind of magical the hag is kind of like a fairy type right yeah creature um but everything's cool in the end but it's funny because he's absolved of his blame even though he like it's it's funny he's like his task is to like refuse a woman and to be so like upstanding, but he can't when, when his mortality is on the line, he gives in and lies and, and goes back on his promises. Yeah. But everyone thinks it's cool anyways. And he's like, <laughs> I feel like there's a side moral of the story that yeah. in, in, in its own strange and like the weird, um, you know, and the, the, like, uh, uh, idea of like the rights and wrongs and this 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 story um the sort of moral seems to be like no just like own up to your shit and everyone will be fine yeah <laughs> right it's like no that's cool you're wearing the you're wearing the satchel and like we get we get it's fine it's no big deal you know it's like yeah uh so, you should have yeah. told the truth yeah. and i'm gonna nick your neck for it yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh don't do it again so the green knight seems to be like a pretty cool guy yeah. For some, I don't know why he's doing what he's doing. But then but. weirdly, it was just like, hey, I'm going to create this whole situation. If you, <laughs> like, you hit me and I'll hit you, you know, like, he just created that. I mean, like, the, I yeah. don't know. If somebody says, like, hey, take a blow at me and the catch is that I get to do that to you, like, later. I was like, why, why would I be compelled to say yes to yeah. this? Because <laughs> this, uh, every, every part of this makes me think this is some kind of trap. Yeah, I think there was some taunting involved. Like, this is the abridged, half-understood right. version of me who has never <laughs> actually go. read the source so, material. Like, take a, take a swing if you're so tough. So <laughs> yeah. Baited him to They're big it. on honor and, and right. stuff, and who's yeah. the most, who's the strongest knight. So I think that's how he got goaded into it. Um, so yeah, that's some, somehow related to the green, the green man. And if you can use that for a blight adventure, then do so. Um, I'm kind of out of ideas and it's so hot that I'm starting to have trouble thinking. Yeah. So I think we've done enough. I think it's good. Our We're... work is done. Yeah. Great. I agree. Uh, let's see what's next. I don't but... even have to look. Bugbear. Bugbears. <laughs> yeah. It's not at all what it sounds like it is. No. And we'll get into that. That's a gripe I have and I've always had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, um, I'm going to do much better about putting pictures on the Instagram because you can't use Instagram on a on a computer normally, which makes gathering images and posting a bunch at the same time difficult. Yeah. But there are workarounds that I'm looking into that make it easier. So I should be more on top of that. And email monstermanualmash at gmail.com with whatever you got 
Um, I'm, we've been getting a bunch of feedback from people and a lot of it has to do with not liking the alphabetical nature of the show for, for whatever reason. And I don't understand it fully and I don't intend to change it unless I'm, uh, I, I am, I have a eureka moment and it seems like a good idea, but, uh, let me know what you think. People have suggested doing rolling a D 30 or something at the end of a show to pick the next one or somehow randomizing it. In another way, if you want that and we get flooded with mail, then maybe yeah. I'd think about it. But in the meantime, I like this long, brutal trudge yeah. through the Lester Manual, mostly because uh, the challenge of it yeah. uh, is daunting and it feels stupid to do it. And I think it's <laughs> a good reason to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's another podcast, at least one, that's doing the same thing. And I don't know... I haven't checked up on them in a while, mm-hmm. but they are called uh, Creature Club, I think. Um, they're Irish guys that are doing this. They do a much different show um, than Wes and I do, so I think it's okay, but they're doing it alphabetically, and some people have a problem with that. They're like, I don't want to listen to two shows doing it alphabetically. I'm like, wow, what a problem to have, young man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go back to yeah. bed. Yeah, but if you think you can change your mind change our yeah, minds i'm send into us an it email or if you have um a, any uh corrections corrections yeah no matter how pedantic i'll i'll, I'll take them the more pedantic the yeah. better yeah pedants pedants come come at me <laughs> <laughs> and with that uh, goodbye yeah